You've tuned into the Are You Screening podcast, originally live and an effort to bring you instant reactions to films. We try to stick to that theory and bring you unedited, unfiltered, and largely off-the-cuff opinions of movies, along with interviews, industry news, and hopefully a lot more. Thanks for listening, and let's get right to this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Are You Screening podcast. I am your host, areyouscreening.com's own Mark Eastman. And with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire Shane Leonard. Hello. And uh, this week, despite uh, what we've been telling you for weeks and weeks, <laughs> um, we are pretty much just going to hit this one movie. Uh, and it's four things. It comes out uh, this Friday. Yeah. At least it comes out this Friday. I'm not, you know, like my mind is a blur of uh stuff Dates right now just like it releases. every year at the end of the year i think uh, that it comes out like wide yeah but i could be wrong and maybe it's just like the limited uh this week like uh bigger markets but i'm pretty sure yeah this says wide Friday. uh yeah okay so um and this is uh the movie that uh just painful number of people won't see in the theater because uh, as is per usual with Yorgos Lanthimos, anything. Yeah. Um, although I was kind of surprised. I, I do have to admit that uh, like the lobster actually managed to, uh, especially like worldwide, yeah. uh, got some fairly decent box office because it had some people in it and right. everything. And uh, so, I mean, that's cool. Um, and then, you know, the favorite, obviously, uh, huge you know oscar push yeah like oscar wise and like people seeing it wise i actually don't know i don't remember what the numbers are on that but uh not big enough but <laughs> but uh but anyway this year going into all this stuff uh you know it's awesome that he you know can get big budgets now and can yeah. get big names and i mean the favorite I, I don't know exactly, but like that was a budgety movie, all things considered. And uh, thinking that it's him, and this one is, you know, pretty decent as well. Yeah. Um, but I just uh, whether you like this one in particular or not, just the trend of him and yeah. everything. I just wish you know you could get people into the theaters. It's such a like horrible thing. You know, it's bad enough if you're like the Marvels or you know, whatever, some thing that is Other. has giant marketing push right. behind it right. and the whole thing. And you go, oh, you know, the pandemic and people still aren't going back to theaters. But when you're Yorgos Lanthimos, yeah. I mean, you have enough problems without there being any, <laughs> you know, theater yeah. woes or, Don't you know, whatever. Don't right? consideration. He's like, I, I'm not going to take that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... um. After this week, uh, we will really be cranking stuff, and it's gonna probably be yeah. crazy. Um, by the by, the time we do shows for like the next, you know, until like uh, I just we were just talking about the Critics Choice Awards is um, I'm pretty sure it's January 14th this year. Mm. Um, Chelsea Handler is again hosting yep. and, uh, and I have to uh, get my nominations in by Friday and it's, if it's the 14th, it's like, God knows what the exact date is 
Right. For yeah. I mean, I'm sure we do know. Actually, I just right. I just you don't. I don't know off the top of my head. head. Um, but final picks and everything like that. But anyway, so like until the end of January, yeah. even after this comes out, uh, all of our shows will will be several movies yeah. at once, and uh, some of those upcoming shows. Just will not remotely do justice to, <laughs> to most of the films that we do because uh, we've got to kick out as many things as we can, you know, hopefully before uh, award shows start happening um, because it's just I really prefer to get as many right. movies covered before they've already won or, right. you know, whatever. Yeah, right. 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 Um, anyway. Uh, but so going forward, we'll have like a lot of movies each week. But this week, um, not for any particular reason other than crazy scheduling right. and, you know, whatever, behind the scenes nonsense. Not yeah. not that uh, it's any statement beforehand on the movie. And we were right. like, oh, my God, we have to do just right. a whole just show this. on that. You know, nothing like that. Just, uh, I don't know, housekeeping right. issues or whatever. Um, but this week we're just going to focus on that one. Uh, but it is, uh, it's a crazy time. If you, you know, speaking of going to theaters and this is just like the norm at this point, but there is like so much stuff uh, coming out that I, I would think that this might be like one of the better Decembers in a few years, because yeah. even though yeah. lots of stuff, uh, you know, comes out on Christmas now or comes out like just prior holiday season, yep. yada, yada. Um, it is usually uh, so Oscar bait heavy, like the things that come out on Christmas Day. Yeah. That they just aren't huge draws. And like Christmas Day, the last few years has been doing quite well. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, there'll be like your holiday, whatever, you know, actual holiday movies that, you know, are not in the running for anything or right. whatever. But, right. um, but even they only do so well unless it's some big franchise thing. Yeah. But this, there are a lot of good movies coming out, uh, this December that it's, it's really weird. And, there are some Oscar Beatty things that, you know, transcend Always. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this this year, there are some that are clearly Oscar Beatty, but also, eh, I bet a lot of people are going to go to that, yeah. you know, that are, are actually decent draws. So, yeah. um, you know, we'd like to get through a lot of those. Yeah. Um, but uh, moving right along. Uh, because I'm not going to just run through a bunch of movies and talk about things that are coming out. What? No, I was just thinking that's, I mean, I, I just had a moment where I started thinking as you were transitioning to that saying, you're not going to do it. I'm like, I'm like thinking of all the films I know that are coming out and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like there's just a slaughter of them coming in. It's, it's going to be fun. But again, People that listen all the time know that this isn't that much fun for you sometimes because you have, you've got a deadline. Like I, <laughs> we can just sit back and watch the films and like that's fun. One good film after another, and you're like, yeah, try watching them under like gunpoint. Right. You got to watch six a day for the next twenty two. Like and it's 
it's just a different take when I think about like, I'm having a blast. And then you're looking, you know, frazzled. If you're like, I just want to get through December, right. you know? So anyway. Yeah. And then well, it makes it easier and harder. Cause there's a bunch of fun stuff. Like, cause you're also like, right. all right, it's not a slog, but all right. Like I'm doing this, you know? And, so. and it's not bad enough right now. Uh, but there's also, uh, you know, just a load of stuff on, you know, it doesn't hurt. TV has a bunch of stuff too. Right. <laughs> Uh, and we were we were just talking about this, but the new series of uh, the new season, whatever, of Slow Horses is out, which, uh, you know, that show is almost, uh, you know, if if somehow James Roday could be in it, then yeah. that mo- that show would just be made for me. Right. Um, <laughs> like done. it would be it would be ridiculous. It would have to have my name in the title, but uh, Gary Oldman in that show is so awesome. And I mean, that show is uh, crazy good, but now the um, third season, I guess it must be is uh, coming out on that Uh, new season of the Gilded age. There's like new, new seasons of everything coming out. There's like so much, um, especially, and you know, I don't want to bag on the, broadcast channels that have right. nothing on right right, <laughs> right now right. but easy swap. uh but there are so many uh really good things that have hit um on the streaming service yeah. releases of tv shows that there is a crazy you're like spoiled for choice it's yeah. like i don't know how you pick what you're watching right now right. um and also i will throw out right now even though i'm not going to mention a bunch of stuff about other movies and what's releasing and everything but uh the the movie May December yeah. uh, just came out on Netflix, and uh, that is like a, a biggish release and um, actually worth your time. So that's another. It's you know, see it all the way through. It's not bad enough. Uh, yeah. All the things that are going on, but also there's the movies that are on right. Netflix or Amazon or whatever. So it's just a crazy time and uh, we're just going to look at poor things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good luck with that. Uh, all right. Um, poor things. <laughs> and it's, um, as we said uh, already, Yorgos Lanthimos and, uh, you know, he's dog tooth, the favorite, the lobster. Um, just, uh, what's the other one? The killing, killing of the, the sacred, sacred deer. deer. Um, um, which is uh, of all his movies for me, uh, and, and I, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, like almost more than any director that I can think of right off the top of my head that, you know, he is whatever his new movie is, uh, like I'm in, I don't right. care what it is. Yeah. I don't care what he's doing. Right. Um, but the killing of the sacred deer is uh not like my favorite of his um but it is the most for me unrewatchable movie like that i have seen of his in a long all, time like oh, yeah L- uh, like of of oh, anyone any like i i like his movies yeah. i liked that movie yeah wow you don't want to watch that like again. <laughs> I, I don't i don't even want to think about watching that again it's weird always, and and uh, some of his i really do right like yeah, yeah. i could watch the lobster almost on right infinite now. repeat you want right? to pause this and go fire it up <laughs> i'll sit right there for two hours it's not like uh i i will always because i've known you a long time and i know you're a guy who just does not re-watch movies there's too many other films to see in shows yeah yeah when 
when years ago I came over and you know it was time to have me watch Knives Out and you're like, oh yeah, I just want to tell you that. And when you start like that, I'm like, all right, that he, you know, at that point you weren't a big Daniel Craig James Bond fan. Right. He's fine actor. I know that, but I was I was really high on the James Bond stuff, and I thought you were going to be like, look, you know, you got to pamper yourself for this. You looked at me and you're like, so I finished this and I just hit play again. And I went, shut up. <laughs> what? And you're like, yeah, watched it back to back. And like, in contrast with Killing of the Sacred Deer, sometimes I'll say like, you know, this film's probably an eight. I feel like if I watch it again, it's going to be like a nine, nine and a half. I've never wanted to go back and watch Killing of the Sacred Deer. Like, it's just... Sometimes I think about watching the favorite again, and I feel like the favorite, and when we start talking about poor things that will come up, I thought the favorite was longer than it was. Yeah. Just because sometimes, though, I loved it. There are stretches where I'm like, this is just really long. Like, right. There's just a lot of stuff going on. It's a half hour shorter than than this, than yeah, poor things. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe 20 minutes shorter than this, but I'm like, well, what the? I mean, I can't even, I can't even remember that part well enough to say... I would also go back and watch any of his stuff right now, except Sacred Deer. Like right, it's, right. And again, this isn't like when people were leaving the theater when The Exorcist was showing and they were fainting in the eyes. It's not like it's that. It's just, it's not, not easily rewatchable. Right. It's just not right. got that in its DNA. So. Right. And, you know, whatever. Not everything has to be, right? I mean, not everything so, has to be rewatchable. I mean, like, some things are. Um, not not that we need to be on like a giant rewatchability well, tangent yeah, either, but some things are, you know, you want to watch it again and again, and it's yep. great and everything like that. And some movies are like among the best movies you've ever seen. Yeah. And you're like, but I ain't doing that again. Right. right. <laughs> I have friends and you must as well who judge films based on the rewatchability. Yeah. And I knew a guy who would say to me, let me know when you've seen it as much as Caddyshack. Right. You know, that was his metric. Right. Or let me know when you've seen it enough as The Godfather. You know, and I'm like, what? Come on. What do you, that's not the way to measure anything. He's like, yeah, that's no. the only way to measure things. And that's, that was him. Yeah. So I, mean, I get it. But. And you know, there are some things that, uh, you know, work for that. But I mean, uh, one of my favorite films ever, yeah. right, is A Man and a Woman. Yeah. Really old right. movie, right? I've seen it once, right? And I will never watch it again, right. no matter what, right? But it's a great movie, yeah. But it's like you know, uh, but I ain't doing that again. You lose something. I mean, again, we're small tangent, but you lose something thinking you're gaining something with certain films by rewatching. For me, Double Indemnity is mine. I, I love that film. I've seen it once. I don't need to see it over and over again. Right. I don't, I don't right. want to run the chance of running that thing down. By having too much familiarity with it, yeah. But man, that's a that's a killer old film. Yes, yeah. love watching that. Uh, all right, poor things. Uh, now that we've right. uh, babbled so, enough, okay. Place. So if you're not familiar with this at all, and uh, you know, I don't want to uh, forget people, right? It's Emma Stone, right? Um, and it's mainly Emma Stone, yeah. Uh, in a in a strange way, actually, which I thought was uh, kind of a, a real positive to be able to be in the way that it is more emma stone than it is actually right because um it's uh you know mark ruffalo uh willem dafoe 
uh, Jared Carmichael, yeah. Rami Youssef, Christopher Abbott. Uh, she's yeah. she's almost never alone. Yeah, she's yeah right right. Um, except that she is all the time, and it's and it's a weirdly cool thing to be able to pull that out. Um, if you haven't seen trailers for this, and the only trailers I've seen for this were so long ago that I barely remember. I've never seen one. Like what's in them, right? Yeah. So if you haven't seen a trailer for this, uh, it is. A really, really weird concept to the, that's a thing because I can't remember the trailers. Yeah, that's interesting. right because they were a long time ago. Yeah, uh, because what do you say in a trailer? <laughs> right, that gets somebody to go to this movie. Other than I feel like you could do the trailer. The best trailer for this movie would just be like still shots. Yeah, and you'd go Emma Stone's in it. Here's right. a picture of her. Right. Mark Ruffalo's in it. Willem Dafoe. Because. Directed by the favorite. Because writer. what are you going to talk about and go, here's like the synopsis of this movie has to be so weirdly bland and generic. And like so, the synopsis of this movie is, uh, you know, this uh, woman with uh Strange issues yeah. ventures out into a new life or something. Like right. you can't say anything yeah, she, about what it's about. She enters the world and takes it in. And like what? Right. You, that's not getting anybody in a seat. No, because but you can't. What else can you say? Like I don't want to say stuff that happens in like the first ten minutes of this movie because thinking, you'd spoil it. Right? I was thinking like the trailer might just be like thirty seconds of a scene. And I'm like, right. what scene doesn't have some nudity or vulgar right, language right, right. or just would make you go like, what the hell right. was that? Uh, okay. So um, what I am going to say first, uh, since yeah. you kind of brought it up, uh, just to put this out there, right? This is actually a, a almost bizarrely adult movie uh, in in certain ways, right? Yeah. There's like a lot of sex that happens in this movie. Yeah. And there's a lot of talking about sex yeah. in like a more matter of fact way than you know porn right <laughs> i mean it's right. like you know, they they just like go it's, it's right? like watching it's like going to a human sexuality course where you're supposed to be adult right and talk about things in adult ways and then you're gonna sometimes comically see those descriptions enacted right um, like it's this, not more sex than porn. Okay, let's right, be right, clear right. on that. It's more talking about it in in like this just weirdly off the cuff way, where you're just being so like this, this oddly is, matter of fact about it. Like you yeah. were saying, it's like if you're in a human sexuality class, right? Right. And then it's like you're supposed to talk about all these things because right. that's what you're talking about in the class. And then like you just can't do it sometimes, right? Right. Like you feel awkward, sure. But in this movie, you just do it. There's no awkward, right? We're you, it's pull just blanket off. Right? Boom. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in, a, if you were in a class and you were supposed to have a topic today and it was about masturbation, right? People are not teeing because it's not seventh grade health class, right? You're assumingly taking an adult ed or a college class, and you're supposed to speak candidly about things, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you are. This movie, outside of outside of me thinking about other films, like maybe super bad, and that's ancient now. Right. This is the horniest movie I've seen in a long time. Like this movie is so, like just 
and it's not gratuitous. It's actually wildly respectable, but it just is got a bunch of sexual themes yeah. and it doesn't, it's not in there to detract or de- to demean. It's not in there to do anything like super gratuitous. It's just, you accept that this is part of that story. And if you accept that there's a young woman who goes out into the world to experience things, that's, that's part of the trip. Right. Right. So, okay. And uh, I guess in trying like not to really spoil things or whatever, and yet give you some indication of what's going on. And I'm sure, I mean, you know, if you're really interested, you can find out what's going on sure. uh, somehow. Right. But, um, so what I will say is like, it's, uh, it's very, it's like tangentially Frankenstein, right? It's, yeah. it's like Frankenstein esque. Yeah. Uh, we're like, we're like making people kind of a deal. Right. Right. Um, so you've got, uh, you've got Emma Stone. Uh, Willem Dafoe is like the, this masterful surgeon guy. Mark Ruffalo is the person who like kind of comes in and it like sets the second act in motion yeah. by like taking her right. outside and to experience the world and and uh they you know go to like other parts of Europe or whatever yeah. like we start in London and right. you know and whatever Portugal and yeah and Emma Stone is basically like uh if I mean, to just throw it out and try to be easy about it, you know, she's like kind of the Frankenstein who, you know, has to now learn everything about people and the world and, uh, and has like, despite being an adult, uh, kind of, right. Has like no frame of reference for anything, you know, whatever, doesn't know anything about what's going on about anything. Uh, anyway, so that's as much as, I guess we need to throw out there. Right. Um, and we're supposed to just give our ratings and it's really weird. So I really just, because I'm, as I've said already, uh, I am so biased to everything that he does at this point. Um, you know, the first thing I saw of his was the lobster. And I feel like I was already biased towards him even before I had, By the time I was rating the lobster, I was like, hmm, right? Like something was weird when I had to rate that movie the first time. Yeah. I really want to give this movie a 10. Yeah. Right? And I just can't. Uh, And bastard. And I really actually love a lot of stuff in this movie, right? And yet... There is actually a lot of stuff in this movie that I don't like. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, at the end of the day, and it's uh, not surprising even to think that I want to give this movie a 10. But, um, you know, I couldn't get all the way there. and yeah. I gave it a 9. But I, I could not get, uh, like, I have problems with the movie and i have lots of things i really love about the movie right um but you know that's as good as i can get and it was funny too because uh the first half of the movie um and it's long it's like 220 it's it's fairly long anyway um like the first half of the movie uh 
I really thought I was like, am I going to give a Yorgos Lanthimos movie like a seven or eight maybe or or what's happening here? And then like for me, the first half is, you know, like much worse than the second half. Right. If the whole movie were as good for me as the second half, that would have been a 10 easy. Right. But yeah. the first half of the movie, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't love. And I feel like for me, the movie really got to do a lot more of what it what made it good when she could speak better. Right. And yeah, we have to get to that point and all this stuff, but a lot of the getting to that point stuff I I had problems with. Yeah. Uh yeah. and I think that overall, you know, not to pick it apart, which we can do for a long time, but just as one of the like overarching things, uh, there were a lot of points in the movie where I thought like the pacing is just random. Yeah. Especially That's in the true. first part. I, I was understand. like, you know, this is not a person that I want to watch his movies where the reason we're watching something for a long time is just because he thinks it's cool. Like, I'm like, man, that's not what you do yeah. and who you're like. There are parts in the favorite, right? Yeah. Where it's really slow and you watch people sitting in a carriage doing nothing for a really long time. Right. Just bobbing. Around. And it's exactly the way it should be. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. There's right. a purpose to it, you know, whatever. In this one, especially in the first part, I'm like, you know, I'm watching some shit happen for a long time just because you think it's cool to make me watch it for a long time, not yeah. because it serves a function or whatever. So anyway, uh, so that's my rating. Remember that scene in The Favorite where uh, they're, it's, it's probably halfway through and there's just suddenly a bunch of naked men throwing like food at each other in like the background of the scene. Like maybe you don't remember this, but it like. It's it's doing a scene and then it kind of cuts over to these people who are like wearing hats and like a belt and like they're in their underwear and socks and they're just like painting each other with stuff. And I'm like, that's a scene I think could have been cut early. <laughs> it didn't do anything except show me like, all right, we're still weird. I I take your point about four things in, in a funny way that's very much us. I totally disagree. <laughs> I think the best part of the film for me was the front half. I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed the second half, even though I know the second half was more brisk because she was more fully formed. In the beginning, she really is just like a creature of id. Right. You know, she's just seeking whatever pleasure, both uh, experimenting with her own sexuality or her own development, but also just like walking around and enjoying noises like a toddler. Right, right. And again... There's there's some part of the film that, you know, shouldn't be ruined, but other parts is, you know, she goes through in a sort of Frankenstein kind of way, this adaptability and maturation. And it's more interesting once she starts reading and even Ruffalo's character is like, you don't, you talk differently now. And it, she's like, right, I'm right. getting smarter, basically. Like I'm right. learning, I'm refining things. Um the creativity that was coming off the first half of the film was like sparklers. It was just everything in every scene. I 
I laughed out loud at weird things. Of course, this is a Yorgos film, so there's like a duck walking around in a <laughs> corgi body. Yeah, like, and, and I mean, it's it's kind of like the island of Doctor Moreau, where the Willem Dafoe character is experimenting yeah, on living things, doing experiments and, just to see if he can. Yeah, and yeah. some of that is Frankenstein like, and some of it is just the island of Doctor Moreau, where you see. I mean, I don't know, like a goose walking around on a big dog body, you know? And, and like, it's all the small touches in the beginning that hooked me enough to just stay through it, but not because it was a slog to watch, but it was just, it was just more exciting to see what a budget and more open space would give him. He, and again, I think that he's, I think he's running a bit of a gamut of experimenting with making his movies. It didn't feel like a, closed simple set the way the lobster felt right it, this was just like world building they're they're early on they're in the carriage and she wants to get out uh she wants ice cream and they're like no you know and she's like no never or no you right know? and he's like no you know we're not doing this the carriage is like a steampunk carriage with a big right. steering wheel but it has a horse head right. and not a real horse head just like a mantle horse head at the front of it because right. that's what a carriage is and I looked at that for a second and I just thought they're they're on something really fun to be thinking of the design of this in such a way that is like not Edward Scissorhands, Tim Burton weird, because that's mostly just askew doorways and weird colors. But this is like this is almost like Guillermo del Toro territory for me, where I'm looking at all the ideas in the background, in the foreground, things you're not even supposed to pay attention to. And I'm eating it up. I love it. Right. I will admit that you can only do so much with a gurgling, screaming, temper tantrum, childlike Emma Stone who has a vocabulary of like four words. The movie does get better as she smartens up and it becomes a different film, you know, in, right. in, in a bunch of different ways. I like that stuff very much. I just didn't have as much fun with it as I did. And again, there's a weird... There's a weird line there for me because the fun part of the first half is replaced by a better story in the second half. And watching her go through all these iterations of uh, whoring, you know, right. and just doing things, um, it, it was enjoyable, but it just didn't have the same energy. And I felt like a few spots in the last half of the film were slowing down because of the pacing. Like you said, I agree, the pacing is all over the place. Sometimes it's right on. It's right on for what's happening in the scene, and other times it's just dragging a scene out that should be much faster. Right. Um, I still had a hell of a blast with it, but unlike you, I'm watching the first half. I'm going, is this another ten? Right. Yorgos, you know, Yorgos film, and then by the end, I'm like, it just couldn't keep up with itself, and it's probably a half hour too long. I actually bet if you could cut that down a bit, get rid of some of these weird scenes that really don't matter much. Um. And maybe shortened scenes like we're just watching people do a couple things. Maybe it would actually be tighter and a little better. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I mean, it's weird. We both came to the same point, just flip sides of the same coin. You like the back half more than right. I did, and I like the front half more, but it's pretty much the same same idea. All right. You didn't say a number, though. Well, I thought I did. I rambled on so much. I would give it a nine. Oh, Okay. Because I, I thought I thought the first hour is all almost, that. Almost that a 10 I completely disagree with uh, you sorry. and give you the almost, same rating. <laughs> almost a almost a ten out of ten for the first half, and then maybe eight 
eight out of ten for the back half, and that's probably what you think about the front half. I mean, yeah. you, you figure that out together. That's it's about a nine overall. Yeah, I think so. I think this one could have been maybe like fifteen minutes shorter. But I think the thing is, like my problems with the first half of it, I think tell you right away that you you would never get that right. Like he wouldn't. So the I mean yeah. the story is about something, right? right. <laughs> I mean it's the story of uh, humanity and society yeah. and all this, you know, in in also a very Frankensteinian yeah. way or however you would say that. Yeah. Um, and, but in this one, right, like Frankenstein is Frankenstein and, and it has its things to say about people. And this has different things to say about people, but also this one is like an utterly hyperbolic story of, you know, everything we want to say is just like, you know, to the nth degree, right? right. Like every everything we want to say about how people are, you know, we have like the ultimate example of that or yeah. any situation or whatever that she faces or her response to it or whatever is like the ultimate response or, you know, whatever it is, just like everything is like, it's the real world and yet it's like screwy. And yeah. it's kind of funny the way that that works too. Like you were talking about, uh, you know, the carriage. And then like at one point they're on a ship, and but it's like some ship out of like the right. adventures of Baron Munchausen right. or this something. It's, it's like yeah. a, you know, whole, so yep. we're not in the real world or whatever. Like everything is, you know, bonkers. And they go to this thing and, you know, pardon my, like not having, all of the knowledge of everywhere in the world, right. but they go to this uh, like palace at one point, yeah, right. which I hope has very little to do with anything that's real right. uh, because it's right. like some like screwball tower with yeah. stairs that don't lead anywhere. Right. And somehow, uh, somehow the rich people get to the top of it by magic or something, because mm -hmm. how do you get up this thing? And yeah. it's like, you know, it's all some, so I hope that's not actually a reference to some real thing that I don't know. And if it is, I apologize for not knowing about it. Right. But it's like this whole, like, it's like they are in this tower of richness mm -hmm. that just looking at it, the tower itself is like this, is like a whole, you know, metaphor right. for the situation because the top of the tower like works right. and functions yeah. and you go down to where the poor people are yeah. and the tower isn't even like all there anymore. Right. And yet somehow it's holding it up and yeah. there is no way to get to the top uh, right. like that you can see. And she's like running down the stairs, trying to get to the poor people. And then they back out and the stairs don't actually go anywhere. Right. You know, it's all, everything is like everything that happens practically in the movie is like a metaphor for something right. or it's some, like I said, like, you know, almost bizarrely hyperbolic. It's almost like hyperbole is not a big enough word right. for how much we're like skewing the view in order to make the statement or whatever. When hyperbole isn't dramatic enough. <laughs> right. Exactly. Bigger. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's great. And it's a great story as far as, you know, all that stuff goes. Right. But I feel like he has things he wants to say in the first half mm -hmm. in this totally, you know, hyperbolic way that ultimately makes for a really cool story, yeah. right? And 
you know, makes for obviously a bizarre referent of the film's title, right? right? Like, who are the poor things in this movie, right? But when he's doing it at the beginning, I'm like, you know, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. And you're not actually making any, like, grand, you know, statements. Yeah. And, I mean, just calling something a grand statement is almost like... <laughs> You're insulting him and saying it's not actually a grand statement. But when we get to the part where she can speak in the later half of the movie, like then it's, I think it's all great, right? Like he's just like flipping off everything in society. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and like, you know, doing it really well in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. He's doing a lot of this talking about people. And ultimately, the story is kind of, uh what would people be like if we could just keep them from being raised right yeah, right right <laughs> like if we could just let them do it without having like 16 years of right. whatever their parents are forcing them to learn yeah right and just let them go find shit out by themselves right. like what would they be like right. and that's not you know like all it's about or anything like that it's about i mean the cool thing about it is that it's about a hundred things it's right about it's so about all things, kinds all of like once. things about psychology yep. and society and everything like that um but that's kind of like the frame yeah. of it yeah. is uh and it's really it's really funny like the cheap shot ways it does things too like it does things mm-hmm. subtly it does things really in your face yeah then it does things like you know just the fact that she calls him God. Right. It is right. Like it's like every part of the spectrum. The way you know Mark Ruffalo when we meet him, yeah. and when they first start going yeah. to like where he is at the end, yeah. and why that is supposed to be where he is yeah. at the end. Oh, it's really really awesome stuff. I just don't feel like he's I think he has stuff to say in the beginning and not like you know the first half was garbage or whatever no, it just wasn't as good as as I wanted it to be in certain ways yeah I feel like the stuff that we're doing in the first half we could do faster we don't need to yeah. see over I and over agree with that and and not only that but it's maybe like not the deepest thing you're saying anyway so you know go to the other cooler stuff or whatever um but the but like i said it's still pretty good but it reminded me the first part of it reminded me of uh the movie the square where it's like the art and we're making fun of it and everything like that that movie for me is really a good movie right and it doesn't have like a first half back half easy way to tear it part in those things but it has half of the movie just in a lot of different spots that are like these parts are like not on the same level as the other as the other part and and i absolutely feel that way and if i not if i know i'm gonna rewatch poor things at some point um and i might flip it might flip to that i might have been just basking in 
it, you know, and again, like you said earlier, Yorgos is one of the handful, not not two handfuls, but one of the handfuls of people that if they make something new, oh, that's it. I'm there. Right. I don't even care what it is. I don't care. Like his name is enough to get me to watch it. And when I was watching it, you know, I'm a sucker for horror films. I'm a sucker for horror stories. I think in the beginning, I didn't quite realize that it wasn't Frankenstein's monster that was actually running things. But I thought that's a hell of a close association. Right, right. And there's an awful lot of hints that later that might still be it. But I'm watching that. I'm just looking at all the creativity, the stuff that the cinematographer we we also often don't on purpose talk about the cinematography not that kind of thing jesus this thing looks beautiful yeah it's it's just got this filter of black and white color that uses vignettes for certain focal points it rises to the occasion and splashes in bold colors when it needs you to think something is supposed to be transcending or at least supposed to be illustrative I just loved looking at it. And I had so much fun looking in every corner of the film. Like I said, this is Yorgos. Now that he's a few films in, he's got some themes that he likes running with, you know, human cruelty, um, animals like the pecking order, both literally and metaphorically. Um, Hell, there was even, there was even a throwaway comment in there that I thought was like self-referential where Ruffalo is like, I'll, step i'll beat the hell out of your dog i'll kick your dog to death and i'm like well, i know what movie that's from right like that's the lobster man you're you're now you're making me happy all over the place um there's a scene i i agree i agree for sure that there could have been some tidying up of the front i was just dazzled by how much fun it looked and how much fun i was having watching a new york film you know that takes it in a far way too um there's a scene later in the film that sort of semi-explains what's happening with Bella, who Emma Stone's character, uh, She she's talking with a madam. You know, she runs this brothel. And she says, um, you know, I seek employment at your, uh, at your musty-smelling establishment of good-time fornication, something right, like that. Right. And the woman's response is, uh, she's just, like, overjoyed to have another woman in there. And she goes, a woman plotting her own course, you know, right, indeed. Right that's the film you know in a lot of strange ways um my girlfriend heard me laughing i I haven't laughed at a film like i did at this i mean his his writing isn't easy sometimes you have to throw the captions on because i'm like what the hell did i just hear like i know all those words but i've never put them in that association before um my girlfriend heard me laughing a couple of times and she wanted to know what i was watching i told her she's like i you know i think i've seen a preview for it it's emma stone and i went it is and she's so courageous in the way she threw herself into this because it would be it's not quite tropic thunder like you never go full retard like that kind of joke that they made in the movie and it would have been easy for a lesser talented actress to just go full retard for lack of a better term and just make this sort of a parody of it right instead i thought i thought she made a lot of like strong decisions was real courageous, real, real honest about the things that happened to Bella and earned all the stuff that happened to her, making her get to that point where, in essence, she's, I guess you could argue on some level, like sort of robotic, but just formulaic. Like she's looking at things and Mark Ruffalo is like, that's the worst thing you can do. And she's like, well, I disagree. I actually feel like our conversation is circular. So I guess it's not. Right. And he's like, (laughs) 
literally pulling his own hair out, and I'm howling with laughter. And on some level, in a strange way, like Mad Max Fury Road reminds me, it's a hell of a feminist story. Yeah. You know, she's out there unapologetically taking the world in to try to understand what gives her pleasure, what she can do, how she can affect the world. And she's going to make mistakes and she's going to have success, but it's her journey. Right. And get in line or get out of the way. Yeah. Like there's a real fun thing going on with her as she gets more self-empowered that that becomes like an irrefutable tract. Like that's it. And I, I had a blast watching that. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, the thing that I kind of, it just made me really want to throw out now that you said that about kind of feminism. It's such an interesting, I think, you know, just because it's trying to do so many things. Yeah. It's trying to give you, uh, like, actually a lot of topics, a yeah. lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, as I said, like, jabs at society in a lot of ways right um no matter what happens i think overall it is like kind of a feminist thing yeah. right but you know i don't think you can say that it's like just a feminist no, thing no, no, or no, anything no. like that or, yeah, absolutely. or like that that's like a main thing but the thing that i love about the way that it's trying to deal with like a feminist kind of thing it's almost to like not do it at all, right? Like, yeah. because basically what happens is, you know, she has no indoctrination, indoctrination to the society in the first place. Yep. So men are like, aha, well, this is this because I'm a man. And she's like, I just don't even know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> but um, clearly, no. Right. <laughs> and she just like, you know, moves the other direction or does whatever. Yeah. And then that comes like to a head at the end, which you don't even really expect right. that we're going to, at the end of the movie, there's like a big shift yep. uh, where our whole story uh, goes into like, well, now we're just really in the patriarchy and right. <laughs> to a whole other level. And so right? he's literally saying you're my property. Right. Right. And, and then the way that she deals with yeah. that is like, just it's, it's funny. What, what's weird going through this whole hyperbolic craziness, which is, you know, kind of why you do that. Yeah. In the first place, um, is that you get to this, you know, like her response in general, that's just so crazy yeah. of a response. It that at the same time, it's like, I mean, obviously that's the response. Yeah. Right. Except, but wait, it it's a crazy response. It's, yep. <laughs> and and it all actually comes together, I think, in like kind of a perfect way of delivering the character that you've given us right. who is right. you know it is when stuff kind of works out like this it always makes me think and i you know i don't remember but i've probably said this tons of times on the show and just don't really remember it's the whole point of like science fiction right is to talk about 
things about the real world in ways that you can't figure out how to talk about without having this unreal situation so that you can like expose the thing you're trying to talk about in the real world, right? right? And in this movie, it works out because we get this character that everything about her is just all hyperbole of theme. It's like taking whatever part of a theme or conflict or whatever that would be in like a thousand stories anyway. Yeah. And and just like, you know, turning it up to 11. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then at the end, it gets you to this, you know, the furthest extreme of, you know, patriarchy and yep. misogyny and, right. and everything like that. Uh, only to, and, you know, the solution is kind of nothing. Right. Like, the solution is just to go, the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. you're nuts, right? Yeah. Like, this thing that is horrible patriarchy, horrible misogyny, horrible guy uh, thing, and you're like, you know, this is we could just suddenly be in another story and and this is like a horrible place to be, yeah. right? This is like a horrible situation and how can you ever get out of it? And she's yeah. just like I just deny your situation right. exists. I think I'll around and right. like I don't have to do anything but disengage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh it it's uh it's it's weirdly kind of like actually delivers kind of a jarring experience. Yeah. Once you make it all the way through this movie and then you get there, it's like the exact, you know, the perfection of the thing that we always complain about. At least I think this movie uh, really just nails this at the end. The last half hour of the movie, I think, really kind of just nails everything and earned it all. Yeah, by all of going through all this stuff, which is like I was going to say, the opposite of what we say all the time is that movies have this thing at the end and you're like, man, you know, that is a good thing. Yeah. But it means nothing because you didn't earn it. Right. And it doesn't actually like follow or whatever. It's just to be checked. And it's like the character that you gave me wouldn't actually do that. So it doesn't hit me or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is just the opposite of that where it actually all works. Yeah. And it's it's fun to, to think about her journey through this where she's really not you you know if if you look at the other men in the film and it's not always this cut and dried either but you look at the other men in the film they had they had a distinct motive and she's just like i said earlier i mean not to make everything like all you know psych 101 stuff if you believe that she's like just the personification of id, like in a way that children are, they're just pleasure seeking. They just, right. that's why you tell them like, don't touch yourself here. That's for home. You can't take that. We haven't paid for it. Like they're just, they're animals. Don't getting, break that just whatever, for fun. Like, don't don't hit that because you like hearing them cry. Like you have to, you have to sort of corral them into these things. And she is in a human adult form experiencing that early on. All the men around her have, a motive like they want this thing to happen and all she is is experiencing as a raw nerve everything to the point where even later as she progresses into the film and she's experienced and seen the cruelty of men not man but men right. you know she's still sort of like above it she's like right. i'm going to improve myself i'm going to do what i can to better others i'm going to make me and mine as happy as possible 
and I'll do it without really like overstepping any bounds and establishing any like authority over you because the self-authority I have over me is enough. And that kind of gem takes a bit to work for her, but watching everybody else flounder and in some ways watching every single other male character's storm kind of rise up to control her is humorous as hell because you realize she's just going to walk away from you. Right. Like it's that's a weirdly sort of fun take on the empowerment avenue that isn't as heavy-handed as some stories would have you have to get a better a better point across as subtly. Right, right. It, it, it's a hell of a fun thing to see, and it's really appreciated. Like, yeah. it's really effective. I think, um, you know, except for... Uh, what I can't, rem- I can't remember his name in the movie, um, but the guy who is... Like the student who comes, oh yeah, Rambles, you know, and then uh, and then becomes like her fiance or whatever. Yeah, uh, you know, he actually has Max. like he actually has like no yeah, Max McCandles, no ill right, motive. It, exactly right. Yeah. He's just uh, like he's actually a good guy, right? Yep. He's just fascinated. Yep. Like by her. Yep. And in almost every conceivable way throughout the movie is like yeah okay so you're you you be you and i'll take it and whatever and there are many things about uh where (laughs) i have gotten to now because i am in this society yeah that makes certain things a little hard for me right right but okay yeah i mean i'll deal with that or whatever yeah like to the extent that you're like Dude, yeah, uh, I don't know. But um, before we run out of time to talk about the movie, yeah, um, I do also want to say you kind of like talked about this. Everyone, I think, in this movie is uh, freakishly good, awesome. And uh, you got Willem Dafoe, who is not only Frankenstein, dude, not only Frankenstein with his monster, but is also Frankenstein's monster, right? Uh, Right. And and so he's got to be a different version of Frankenstein right. now and it's all weird but he's great he's amazing uh Mark Ruffalo is really really good he's i think better uh when you know he's gone when he's like at the end of his journey <laughs> yeah. he's a little boring at the beginning i thought yeah. um yeah. and it, i guess it's the tearing apart of him yeah that is where we get to do some work. And then he's really, really good. He's great. Um, oh my God. By the time he's in Paris and he's lost everything. Yeah. Including his sanity. Like that's when and, he's, and, he's and like I, I mentioned before, she's we've got this part where they go to this place and it's this hotel tower deal and she sees the poor people. And yeah. it's like kind of this like Buddha yeah. you know, moment, right? Where uh Buddha and you know, I'm no expert or whatever, but uh you know, lived like this sheltered life right. where he didn't know what yeah. the real world is really like. And yeah. then found out there were people Suffering. less fortunate than yeah. him. And it was like, what the hell? Right. right? And she has that exact yeah. same, you know, it like breaks her right. in like right. a very uh, serious, like it, it really like wrecks her mind yeah. to even like try to conceive suddenly uh, that, no, there are people who are like right. living horrible, horrible right. lives. So, um, you know, you got that. But I did want to, before I forget, and then we miss it, 
because you did talk about cinematography earlier, and we don't always talk about the cinematography. In this movie, it's awesome. Parts of this movie reminded me of The Fall, which I think is the best-looking movie there ever has been. Um, But also, it does weird things, and it's great, right? And usually, any weird thing that happens in a movie in a cinematography way... yeah. Most of the time, it's goofy bullshit. Yeah. And most of the time, someone will come up with some way to do something, and it will mean something, right? And then everyone else will start doing it, just almost like at random. Right. 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 uh, But, like, for example, they do this, like, uh, you know, peephole shot where uh, we're just looking through this thing, and you don't know why, right? It's it's not like... uh, there's some other thing we're supposed to be seeing through or right. something, you know? So when it first happens, it's a little like distracting and, and, and you're like, but like, why, why am I doing that? Right. And then after they do it for a while, you're like, you know, uh, okay, I get it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it, but it's weird at first you're like, you know, was the lens flare machine broken? So right. we had to do this right. because it just feels like it shows up out of nowhere yeah, and doesn't really give you anything where you're like, okay, it makes sense that we would be looking like from this kind of a view or, or it's something. It's a character's perspective. It's right. Really it's some weird, our perspective. Right. And it's, it's yeah. a, it's a, it takes you a minute, right? Like, yeah. but then once you get it, it's like, Okay, that's actually really cool. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff like that in the yeah. movie. Whether we're, you know, looking at something from way below right. or, you yep. know, doing whatever kind of weird camera bad acts that happen, they're all actually really, really cool. Yeah. And it is wild to watch a lot of it. And yeah. it's funny, too, because you will go from we're kind of looking at stuff in this way to, like, we'll be on the boat. And now we're looking at everything a completely different way. And it's really, really cool. And it's, uh, you know, purposeful and thoughtful and not, uh, well, our special effects team has this. Can we fit that in the movie? You know, some garbage like that that happens most of the time. Yeah, there's there's a definite weight of purpose that you really realize that, like, they wanted that. That's exactly the way they wanted it. That's storyboarded exactly the way they did it. And they did it and they must have been happy with it. And their choices were very prescribed. Like right. it, I'm still, I, I don't know if it's embarrassing or not. I'm still sort of trying to figure out all, I'm trying to remember every one of the porthole. Like the, there's there's certain fisheye scenes that they use when yeah. they're, they're really bending the edges of the of the screen. But when you see through the keyhole stuff, I was watching it a few times and I went, I think I'm starting to get this. And there was one, I remember one threw me off and I went, I don't even know why I'm struggling with figuring it all out, but I'm having fun watching it. And I realized that it's effective because it's exactly what they wanted to do in that specific shot, which is why when I rewatch it, I'm going to have more fun watching those things pop up partially because I know they're coming, but also I'll know you know, more in line with what is happening around the story at that time too. Right. Man, Mark Ruffalo, at first I thought he's in it because he's Mark Ruffalo. Then he started getting sort of crazy and hammy and that's fun. Mark Ruffalo. But really like he's 
actually still in the same movie they're in. He's just on a different journey than right. she is. Right. And it's really fun when she's on her way up. He's descending, right? And they pass each other, and it's just—it's a—and it's and a I, laugh. I think there's so uh, there's so much like as I said, the movie's trying to say like a thousand things at you, but yeah. uh, watching him try to deal with the fact that she just is not going to respond in yeah. a way that he can figure out, right? Yeah, and and then, but he has to have a response and there are times in the movie where they're talking kind of earlier when they're on the boat yeah. and they're and he says something in response to him and like he just stares at her for yeah. a couple seconds yeah. <laughs> like he just can't you know fathom Dude, that that actually happened and I, he does it that brilliantly. he does it he right? does it i know we're getting out of here he does it even stronger and better because he's really it, to imagine that this must have been shot out of sequence is so impressive right that he made the gradient of losing his patience and his temper <laughs> and his sanity because he does another one of those looks at her later when they're breaking up and she's like you know i'll send you back to london and she pulls out all this money and he's <laughs> just like what what he would have used that. You had all this money? And it's just like this hilarious look on his face where I don't care how professional I am. If I'm in that scene with you, I'm on the floor laughing. Right. Because that's just so hilarious. I Again, a strange almost 10. But right. man, what a blast. I love Lanthimos' films. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, and you know, like, like, like you said – Right at the beginning, uh, about how you know you'll watch a movie and it's eight, and then you go, Maybe if when I watch this again, it'll be nine or yeah. something like that. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll watch this like a couple more times and then it'll be a 10. Yeah, um, because it's a you know different experience going through the first half right. now or right. something like that. But I don't know, it just the first half. Had I had some issues, and I yeah. I, I also had some issues with uh, the guy who's the student, yep. and uh, you know the whole bringing him in yeah, and yeah. like certain parts of like now we're kind of being not exactly montagey, but we're being like flashback and not flashback yep. at the same time exactly. kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like yeah, I mean. You know, like I said, we have to get to the end somehow, and we have right. to make all these things happen. Yep. I just, that you know, they really just well. weren't yep. perfect. But no, I like I said, this is like, you know, splitting the hairs of between 9 and 10, right? <laughs> right. Not between doing? 10 yeah. and 2 or yeah. whatever, so. I feel like, I feel like now that I've seen the first part, really what I want to do is I just want to skip forward to the Paris part. Right. When they're right. all, when she's at her strongest and Ruffalo's losing his stuff and all the other characters are coming in and she's really learning about everything. Like that's the strength of the film for me, right. but right. everything else around it is really fun. And uh, yeah. And, and not only that, but we have to go, but yeah. I just, some of the screwiness yeah. is like so perfectly weirdly screwy, right? Yeah. Like Willem Dafoe and uh, you know, uh, Spoiler alert, like this doesn't actually spoil anything. Yeah. It's just like a crazy thing that, you know, I wish you could just experience yourself without me telling it to you. It's yeah. that kind of spoiler. Yeah. Right? Um, but just the fact that his character has like this whole eating like machine. Yeah. And I was going to talk about to, the bubble. Oh. And you're like, like, where did that come from? Right. But it's like such a great example of like 
really quickly, this is exactly who my dad was. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, whatever. It it works and it's nuts, right? But, yeah. All right. Uh, we got to go. We've taken up enough of your time now. Yeah. In, uh, as I said, in coming weeks, um, I can't even tell you what is going to be coming because there's uh, too many tons of movies to get through yeah. in a really quick way. Um, and even to go back real quick to some that are going to be the big things, like yeah, we never uh, did do Oppenheimer, so we'll do that. Yep. Um, but there's so many things coming out yeah. uh, that will be in, if not next week, the week after. There's like Maestro and Ferrari and just, yeah. I mean, like everything that, you know, there's like 20 movies that we have to do in the next two weeks, which right. we can't. So. Right. Right. We'll do the so they're we they're going to be really fast. Um, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Uh, we will we'll see you next week. Yep. Please please share, rate us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us, and uh, otherwise trick your friends into listening to us. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners. On behalf of myself and Shane Leonard, we want to thank you for tuning in once again. The Are You Screening podcast is brought to you by areyouscreening.com and a lot of wonderful people who help us out. Surf over to areyouscreening.podbean.com or areyouscreening.com to find out how you can become one of them. All music used in our podcast is courtesy Andrew Lord. Once again, please, please, please subscribe, rate us on iTunes, review us on iTunes, and otherwise trick your friends into listening to us. Good night.